0: Him playing an older hymn. <laughs> you know, sitting down here where I am sitting in front of Kirk and Hanya, I kind of felt uh, something happening when Bill, speaking of security, said, uh, "People of male persuasion." Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I have been informed that Hanya thinks she could handle the whole thing. (laughs) Kirk has so informed me. (laughs) Uh, But we like to protect our women, don't we? (laughs) This, in a way, has been a heavy morning for me. A little over a year ago, Robin Bales, Ken Willard, and I went to Somerset, Kentucky to ordain elders. And one of the men we had intended to ordain was Carrie Matheny, a marvelous, tender-hearted brother. But the week we had scheduled the ordination, Carrie's daughter was diagnosed with cancer, Kiera, at the time she was nine years old. For the past year, several of us have been praying for this little girl and for her family. Uh, she died yesterday, 10 years of age. Now, the mother and dad are in good shape. Jim Grinnell alerted me to a song on YouTube, We Still Believe, and that, they said, is their testimony. But the elders are much concerned about the young people in the church who were praying for Kiera's healing, and she died and the young people in that church have already been describing a challenge to their faith. So I would ask you in coming days to pray for the chapel at Somerset, to pray for the young people, and pray for the Mathenes, dear precious people. A few weeks ago, I went with a man to the OU clinic at the Schusterman Center at 41st and Yale, and it took a while, of course, for him to go through all the initial processes of filling out the papers and then waiting for his appointment and then finally going back and going through a whole series of tests, and so I had about two hours just waiting. Now, the area where I was waiting was about 100, maybe 150 feet in length, and there was a section for the psychiatric unit, section for pediatrics, women's health care, others, uh, internal medicine, uh, so on and so on. And as I first sat and looked about me, I began to see desperate people, and I couldn't sit much longer. I had to stand and walk, and so for almost two hours I walked back and forth in that hall Really kind of balcony, back and forth, back and forth, praying for this one and praying for that one. I saw older people who obviously were struggling that looked like they had been rode hard and put up wet. Children. One woman... I would say she was less than 25 years of age, attractive figure, the shortest shorts you've ever seen, and everything else she had on, what little she had on, was displaying her wares. She had the cutest little boy, and a daughter that I would say was between 8 and 10, who was dressed also. To make everybody fully aware that she was female. No ring upon the woman's finger. And I began to notice how many women with children there were like that. No evidence of being married. And yet children. And I have to say with grieving heart I walked and prayed. For this one and for that one. And I looked at these children and thought, what future do they have? And God spoke to me and reminded me that I had been born in very fortuitous circumstances. A good mother and good father, parents and an uncle and aunt, for which in a way I was the focus of their lives. Never missed a meal in my life. Always had clothes when it was time to start to school. (laughs) Everything. And I began to lament over the poor and pray for the poor. Uh, Several days after that, Kirk Wester and I sat together for a couple of hours We talked about many of the things in which he was involved, and more and more, a burden for the poor began to impress itself upon me. And I began to think of all of those verses in Scripture that were in my head. They just began to come forth concerning what God has said about the poor. And I went to the scriptures and began reading them again and again, and finally in sort of an organized way to read them. I'd never noticed this before, but I noticed that 72 verses in Proverbs speak of the poor. 37 verses in the New Testament use the Greek verb tokos, translated poor, but many other expressions as well, those in need and so on. Now this morning, I'm not going to preach a sermon. I want to read a collage of scriptural passages that deal with the poor. We're going to read passages that reference the poor, reference the needy, define who really is poor and who really is needy what responsibility we have as individuals, what responsibility we have as a church for the poor and needy, and also who should not be helped. That's there also. Now let me say we can make a huge mistake if we build a theology or an ecclesiology around certain verses or a certain idea. And some have done that. Some have equated Christianity with caring for the poor. And that's where many err. That's a mistake. We could focus only on alleviating poverty with a community full of very satisfied, well-fed, well-clothed people all going to hell. So we must not let that become the full picture. Really our role in the world primarily is that which Paul declared to the Corinthian Christians in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, oh, be reconciled to God. That is our primary mission. But when the world asks, how is that done? Our reply is that of Peter, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. More important than one's physical condition or wealth or poverty Is the eternal destiny of every person's soul. That's primary. Even so, how we care for the poor is very important to God. Another thing that becomes apparent and will become apparent as we read these scriptures is that there is a hierarchy of concern. Our primary concern is our family. Next is our church family. And lastly, the world. There's no exhortation in God's word to provide for those who are lazy and won't work. As a matter of fact, there's a prohibition against it. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have programs to try to make them productive citizens. The things that Kirk is doing, the things that Mike Bros are doing, these we're fortunate to have these men and what they do in this church that are trying to take non-productive people and help them become productive, but one who refuses to work. That's another story. Well, this morning, let me read by introduction this statement of Paul to the Galatians. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to the household of faith, Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Deuteronomy 15, beginning with verse 7. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land, which Jehovah your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the day of remission is near and your eyes hostile toward your poor brother and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to Jehovah against you and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing, Jehovah, your God, will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land, therefore I command you, saying you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. James chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. 1 John chapter 3 verses 16 to 18. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and see his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Proverbs 19, 17. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to Jehovah, and he will repay him for his good deed. Matthew 6, verses 2 and 3. So when you give to the poor... Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Matthew 5:42. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Galatians 2, beginning with verse 9. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and David the circumcised. They only ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. Luke 16, beginning with verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. Verse 19. Now, there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. A poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores, Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes being in torment and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried out and said, Father Abraham have mercy on me, send Lazarus so he may dip the tip of his finger in water, cool off my tongue. I am in agony in this flame. Abraham said, child, remember that during your life you received good things and likewise Lazarus, bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you're in agony. Besides all this between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and none may cross over from there to us. He said, Then I beg you, Father, you send him to my father's house. I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Oh, no, Father Abraham. If someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. Abraham said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Matthew sixteen nineteen. Someone came to him and said, "Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain, obtain eternal life?" Said to him, "Why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter life, keep his commandments." He said. Which ones? Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father, and mother, you shall love your neighbor yourself. And the young man said, all these things I've kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished and said, Who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Luke twelve thirteen. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. He began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your soul will be required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Matthew twenty five thirty one. And what a scene this verse is. When, oh, they're preaching, I better watch it. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say, To those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? He will answer them, Truly I said to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the one of least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.10 We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. You yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. Even when we were with you, we used to give you this order if anyone is not willing to eat, then not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some of you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ, work in quiet fashion, eat their own bread. But brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. First Timothy 5, verse 3. Honor widows who are widows indeed, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family. To make some return to their parents. This is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, she who is a widow indeed and has been left alone, fixed her hope on God, continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasures dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, has brought up children, has shown hospitality to strangers, washed the saints' feet, assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. Verse 16, If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. Acts 3. Now Peter and John... We're going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. A man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So he could beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking from them to receive alms. Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Matthew 26, beginning with verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany... At the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. The disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, why this waste? This perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? She has done a good deed to me. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. But she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken in memory of her. We close this morning with this prayer from Proverbs 30, verse 8. And this is a prayer all of us should pray. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I may not be full and deny you and say, Who is Jehovah? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Lord, we know, as the scripture has said and experience shows, we will always have the poor with us. We know, Father, this subject is complex we pray that we would have your wisdom as we seek to be obedient to you but also that we might have your guidance as we think of Peter and John who said silver and gold have a none but what I have I give to you what do we have to give sometimes God God Let us see what is in our hands that can bless others. And we pray, Father, that as we live in this world with compassionate hearts, that everywhere we go and everyone who meets us will meet the heart of Jesus through whom we pray. Amen.